podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We call whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need Robin stealing or mugging. In fact, we'll take it seriously. We're only bugging. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Whistleblowers Podcast. We've been away for a while. You don't need to know why. Lots of reasons. Uh, Gareth has been busy being a music mogul. Gritz has been busy commentating all over the place. I've seen him popping up all over the country, doing different bits and bobs. I've been... What have I been doing? I mean, no excuse really Mark. this end. I've been in New York, mate. Busy. Been too wow. busy for podcasts. Pretty glamorous. Um, One of but we're back. <laughs> yes, Gareth. We're back in time for a very busy, very interesting weekend coming up. Um, before we do that, I'll introduce the other guys. That is the voice of Martin Gritton there. Martin's currently in a, a car, sat in a car park with a massive coffee, uh, podcasting from there. Very much uh, sort of like um, a mobile podcasting man. It's jacked up and ready to go, Smudge. You know me. Yeah. That's, that's, the, no. that's the motto. That's the Gritton. That, 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 if I knew it, it was in Latin, I would tattoo it on my neck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it actually suits you, that. I can see you on the Zoom. Uh, you, I think you'd suit being a sort of stand-up, sort of just living in your car, driving around from place to place, making yeah, people I, disappointed. I failed stand-up, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, well what? <laughs> what were we going to say? Nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I introduce... Yes, I'm going to introduce Gareth. Gareth's here as well. Gareth's internet is so bad that we can't even see him on his uh, on, on the Zoom. So uh, introduce yourself, Gareth. Tell us what you're wearing. Uh, you know what? Thank you for asking that. I'm wearing a very fetching denim shirt that I picked up from the Crisis Charity Shop in uh, Croydon. It's a nudie shirt and it only costs £16. So I'm supporting the homeless and I got an incredible bargain. Go wow. support your <laughs> local homeless charities. Really good stuff. Um, we will talk about football at some point. Um, let's start that now, actually. Um, I've got no football to talk about. Well, I have. So let's get into it. You just pretend like we normally do. Um, let's start with this fixture. Whenever I see this fixture, I just think of sort of the 1970s. And uh, I'll tell you what it is and see if you agree. Chelsea versus Leeds United. Grits, oh. this is a throwback mm. game, isn't it? This feels like... This feels like you know, one of those match of the day specials they show when there's no football on. Someone grabbing someone by the scruff of the neck and lifting yes. them off the ground. Uh, Absolutely. The other, the other person punching them in the face and not getting booked. It, it's, yeah, let's let's hope for some of that. Yeah, you know, it's that <laughs> blood and thunder match, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. And uh, an interesting, specifically off the back of West Ham taking Chelsea to task in a way that mm-hmm. we haven't seen this, you know, I, I, it wasn't even a brilliant West Ham performance. It was a, it was a fully committed one and moments of great quality, but it shows that they can be got at. It's exactly the sort of game that Bielsa's probably watched 40 times since just to work out how to get at them. Admittedly, Chelsea weren't good, but, um, you know, I don't think Lukaku coming back has helped them much, to be honest. So uh, what, what would you make of it? Well, I think it's an interesting one. I think um, a couple of weeks ago, this would have been an absolute banker wouldn't it we'd have gone right well Chelsea you're gonna steamroll Leeds no problem but Leeds have shown a, quite a bit of resolve over the last couple of weeks particularly that Bamford 96 or 95th minute whatever it was equaliser um at the weekend last weekend but Gareth Chelsea I've had them as as title winners since the start of the season are there a few cracks beginning to show in their uh, in their exterior uh, the thing that's most worrying for me is that suddenly you know, Tuchel was talking about fatigue in the squad. Mm. A, they probably have the best squad in the Premiership. 
and the biggest. Uh, secondly, the biggest, um, you know, the quality for the squad is outrageous. And and secondly, their their fatigue going into the busiest period of the calendar. Um, if I don't know whether you know Tuchel was potentially deflecting from what was just a, a bad performance against West Ham, but I, he's Tuchel is known as being a very honest uh, manager in terms of press conferencing. Um, you ask him a question, he'll give you a straight answer. So potentially, genuinely, he is worried that you know the squad is feeling the strain already of, of the fixture congestion. And I think if that does end up costing them games, then you know we know how tight this free team title race is going to be. Yeah, it, it could be a genuine issue. Gareth, I, I, I bring it back to that one you said about fatigue. Is it for them? Do you reckon you know, that calendar year? That that's, that strange term that gets used when we can't quite work out what a half a season's worth of something going on is. But certainly for Chelsea, this has been an insane calendar year, hasn't it? The amount of games that they've had, the amount of things that they've had to get up for. They're like a boxer now that's just basically waiting to get, um, you know, at at the top of his game and everyone wants to knock him off his perch. Problem is, you've got so many good other people in the league that, like teams like West Ham are just people you do not want to face. You know, they're they're not a team that are going to win the league, but they can bloody the noses of anyone. No, agreed. And, you know, Chelsea played the longest and to the last because obviously they, they played and won the Champions League final. Uh, those players then had, what, two weeks before they started the European Championships. Um, and a lot of those players played in the European Championships and also the Copa America um, with uh, their, you know, people like Thiago Silva. So it could be, yeah, but it's not so much the season, like you said, as the entirety of 2021. Like, like all of us, has just done an absolute number on us. This is why, though, I think that to win the league these days is so, so difficult. It is more difficult than it used to be because, like you say, Grits, the, the strength and depth of the league. You mentioned West Ham there being a team that if you turn up and you're not completely on your game, you can get turned over. I'd say, actually, in the Premier League, you go down to sort of 14th, 15th in the league. If you're not on your game properly, if you have a slightly off one, any of those teams can turn anyone over. We saw it with we see it with Man City every season. We see it with Man City, you know those those one off games. Um, Liverpool seem maybe the most robust of the lot, but are still susceptible to it. And like you say, I mean Chelsea uh, last weekend against West Ham. West Ham are an excellent side, but they weren't at their best. West Ham, like you mentioned, and they still got turned over quite quite comfortably in the end. That, that second half in particular was really really dominant for West Ham. So I think that. It is just an incredibly difficult league to win, and this is what this is what separates the Premier League from, I think, the rest of Europe. I think you do get gimmies in in uh, in other leagues. All right, you still see the occasional, you know, giant killing, but I feel like in Spain you 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 just don't have the same amount of high intensity games. Um, anyway, Gritz mentioned Lukaku earlier on, Gareth. He's back. He's not fully back though, is he? He's sort of getting a few minutes here and there. Timo Werner's back. Do you think this is a problem for Tuchel? Do you think he's got too many options? Because we've seen Havertz playing up there and Ziyech and, and Mount playing off him. Does Lukaku and Werner just create more problems or is it is it always a good thing to have that many options? It is, it is probably both. You take you take Lukaku in the squad over, over not having a striker. I, the, the thing about Werner always sort of fascinates and frustrates me, you know, to, to paraphrase uh, you know, the godfather, it's every time you give up on him, he suddenly turns up and you know scores a goal and gets an assist like he does in uh, like he did in midweek in the Champions League. He is almost infuriated that the moment that the expectations disappear, he suddenly you know plays a blind and looks good. And you know he's 
So Werner is obviously a player who, as well as playing through the middle, he can be one of those wide attackers who yeah, Tuchel's yeah. deploys him as such. And so he's he's an interesting one. You know, I wonder how he'll continue to be deployed. I mean, Lukaku is obviously the one who has to play essentially as, as a number nine. Um, there was conversations early in the season where Tuchel talked of him as like the pivot, as the back to goal striker, and the point was made that. Under Conte in um, in Spain, that's not how he played. He was a front-facing, you know, attacking player who was getting onto balls and was a, you know, a not proper a striker. Man. So, no, I mean, obviously he can be, but his, you know, his great skills is 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 as someone who can just wreck games in in terms of his shooting and um, and you know, running onto balls and 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 more than just sort of prototyping just because of. But this is exactly let, let's let's bring grits in here because the grits you you're you're a big lad. What are you six three six four, but you weren't when you played. You weren't the the prototypical target man. You you do other stuff, right? So you you were in the same. I'm not I'm not comparing you directly to Lukaku, but hey, you know what? Fuck it, you are. You're Lukaku. Thanks, mate. Um, these are the West Country Berbatov. Mate, they used to call me the white, the white one shop early in my career, and then yeah, I moved on to Berbatov later on in my career. Thanks, oh, uh, Grit Camp. They used to call me Grit Camp, and that shows you the dearth of quality strikers at Lincoln at the time when they compared me to Dennis Bergkamp. But um, Gareth, I would be confident if I put you up front for Chelsea, you would have scored as many goals as Timo Werner just by being in the right place at the right time in the, in the no, six-yard box. No, if you just, no. If you were from the penalty spot to the six-yard box and just walk backwards and forwards and a ball was put in by Chilwell or Alonso or um, what's his name on the, on the right-hand side, Reese. Reese James. I swear to God, you just stand there and you'll score as many goals as Werner. The guy is like, if you put a prism in the in the penalty spot, it would score as many goals as Timo Werner. He's honestly, yeah, but, but, but Werner doesn't play. Time. But Werner isn't that guy, though. Mm. Werner is is used by managers because he can stretch defenses so well with his pace, right? But Lukaku is yeah. the one I'd be more concerned about because Lukaku, like we've talked about there, he's 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 the the way he's built makes it look like he should be a target man, but he's really yeah. not, and I don't know. Where he's going to fit in necessarily with this with this side? I mean, they're not winning games at the minute, so it makes sense for them to change something up, and that might mean bringing him back in as the nine. But a couple of months ago, Grits, we we sat here and we talked about his um, yeah. his Chelsea debut against Arsenal, and we thought this guy is going to score thirty goals this season. He looks terrifying, and I don't know what's happening with a couple of little injuries or whatever. Do you see him being the guy at Chelsea still, or do you think this is going to be one of those things where Chelsea get rid of him in a year's time for seventy million? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, listen, I know I, I went completely off piece there and just had a go at Werner when you were asking <laughs> me about Lukaku. Um, uh, he is uh, the most infuriating. If you did whistleblower sound bites back to when he was at Man United, Mark, we would be ebb and flowing. We, you know, up and down peaks and troughs. Uh, much like his form on our opinions on him would be exactly the same. It's just infuriating in Italy. It, again, probably goes back to that point. You talk about the comp- competitive level of the Premier League is better than the Italian league because he could score more goals at that level. He could get away with more. But, but I think it's just because of the target man thing. I think United have played yeah. him as a target man. Uh, Inter, they didn't. But Chelsea don't... Uh, as a target man in the Premier League, you don't have to play as a target man. It's not like he's going up against uh, Jijelka and um, you know, Unsworth and like he's, just, he's getting battered mm. from pillar to post. All you have to do is yeah. leave the line, not get offside, and you will score... 10 goals before Christmas because you've got the quality of the players around you and obviously his injuries I think because he is a bigger player I think 
you can look out of form quickly. You don't look as neat. Yeah. You don't look as sharp. Um, I think it's a, a bit of a fool on the eye um, more than anything. But listen, he will have an incredibly rich spell. And we will all yeah. be sat here going, He's a world-class oh, striker. wow, he scored 10 that month. And, you know, so yeah. he will come good. Problem is at Chelsea, yeah, you're right, though. You can't hang around. There's no there's no breathing room. You have to come in right. at, at sprinting. It's not like a run-up. You've got to be at flat out and you've got to stay flat out whenever you're in that team. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Leeds then. Um, as I said earlier on, it was a, a big equaliser for Bamford against Brentford, I think. I think that was, you'd hope maybe a turning point in their season, which has been quite a tough one so far. But then you look at their fixtures, you look at their December fixtures, it, it's lined up to be a very unhappy Christmas for Leeds. Chelsea away this weekend, Man City away, Arsenal at home, Liverpool away, and then Villa at home. That That doesn't look great for a team, and I know this is a cliche to say it, but they do look a bit tired at the minute. Um, and, you know, they've got a few injuries on that side. Talk me through it, Gareth. I mean, I was going to say the biggest issue is <clears throat> they look incredibly injured, more so than, than tired. Um, Patrick Bamford apparently re-injured himself um, after his after his equaliser, which is apparently may have been potentially in the celebration, which is not great. Um, Rodrigo may have, uh, is it plantar fasciitis maybe, a foot injury? Um, then oh, to Dr. Dobson, Rafinha, their best attacking. Well, thanks. You know, I like to uh, delve into WebMD occasionally. Um, <laughs> and you know, alongside <laughs> Rafinha, that's that's their attack. Um, Calvin Phillips has been pushed back to centre back as an emergency fill in. That, that's not ideal. I think that if anything, if you want to look at this cynically, it's a good month to, to get yourself fit. You know, you lose four games that you might end up losing anyway. And then go into go into January, hopefully with with a better squad. But it does look very rough. If they had accumulated a few more points um, going into this this tough run, they'll probably be feeling a bit better about themselves. And I know that Brentford have their day, but you know Leeds need to be beaten Brentford and teams in in the in the same kind of area of the table. Yeah, because grits by the end of the month, it, the table could look pretty ropey for Leeds, couldn't it? They're currently uh, six points off Burnley in the relegation zone. So sorry, Leeds are fifteenth, Burnley are eighteenth. So Leeds is currently six points safe, but that could close up pretty quickly. I mean, I'm not sure how good the bottom three are currently, so they might not get too many points. But it could certainly be the it, it could be a problem for Leeds going into the new year. I don't know how much they're going to be spending in January. There's all this talk about the 49ers consortium coming in, buying the club for a lot of money, but that's all you know. Ifs, buts, and maybes at the moment. So I don't know. I, I, I do feel like it's a bit of a worry for Leeds. Do you, do you see them as being part of a relegation fight this season? Listen, I'll always, I'll be, always try and be the contrarian, even in the face of uh, my Norwich claims and various things like that. But with Leeds, I think we've got an interesting one because the, the flip side to those tough matches is that those teams will go to Leeds and go, because you cannot play your strongest team throughout this next six-week period. You're going to have moments where you're rotating your squads. And you can sometimes find yourself on a run where you're playing the weaker squads or the weaker teams of the bigger teams and you're, you're yeah. nicking points. So if they come out of Christmas and they've nicked four points, we would probably not expect that. Nick six points. That'd be a huge, huge. Brilliant, yeah. exactly. So there's an element of that to it. And I think they could surprise us. I'm not sticking my neck on the line like I did with Norwich, but I, I will say that they've got a chance because uh, they're just the sort of team that surprise you and shock you like we were talking about those sort of results. The, the one player Gareth's absolutely spot on in his analysis of the 
players. The one player I didn't mention was Luke Ayling, who's just come back, who mm. is kind of a talismanic yeah. defender. He's a real rallying the troops guy, and you see him anytime there's a celebration. And he's a right back, and he's always in the mix. He's always right up there, like with everyone else. He's like a, a brilliant guy in the dressing room. I played with him at Yeovil. He's like so. I, I remember the influence he had at a young age. So, um, and he's got pedigree. I've loved watching his career at Leeds. So, yeah, let's see what happens next. Yeah, we're going to go to a break while my kid kicks off, as you can hear in the background. Uh, you want to see Blaze and the Monster Machines? All right, right, we'll be back in a minute. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the show. I've put Blaze and the Monster Machines back on the TV for my child. That's what good parenting is. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> Norwich versus United. Norwich is uh, Martin Gritton's hot pick this season. <laughs> Where did you have them finishing you grits? Them. You watch them, you watch them, they're going to come good anytime now. Well, look, Keep watching. Dean Smith's there, Dean Smith's there, and you know what, he's he's absolutely done, a, it might just be the new manager bounce, but I think Dean Smith is a very good coach, and, and they look a different proposition already, I think, he's only been there a few weeks, um, but he's up against the United side that also have a new manager, and who also seem to be um, more understanding of, of just a general game plan immediately. Um, Grits, did you watch United... Um, last week against Palace in, in Ralph Rangnick's first game? And if so, what did you make of it? I only saw the highlights. I only saw the highlights. And um, um, I suppose, uh, I mean, listen, Palace are an interesting one because they're, they're such a, a difficult team to play against. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he got Fred scoring a goal, Mark, I, I was, I'd love to get your opinion on that because just if he becomes, if Fred suddenly becomes this renaissance man, and like we all are bowing box to, box, to him. Fifteen a season. <laughs> so I no, don't know. Look, I, no, I, you can have my I opinion. Just... You can have my opinion, Grits. You asked for it. I'll give it to you. Please. Fred is <laughs> he? I, in my opinion, he's not good enough to be a, a team who have aspirations of challenging for the league. He's certainly not as bad as we've seen him in the last couple of seasons. Um, and I think we'll see him get better. And I also think actually maybe he's a very sort of Raniac type of player because he is. God bless him. One of the few players at United who naturally wants to press and press and press, um, even if he's not that great when he gets the ball at his feet. So, you know, if you put the right players around him, I'm sure he can excel and do a lot better than he has been. It was a lovely goal at the at the weekend. Um, but you know what? I, th- I think they still need to upgrade on on Fred if they want to if they want to challenge. What I was impressed by Gareth was the fact that I think when a new manager comes into a side, I always think sort of six to twelve weeks you should be able to notice a style of play. What's this guy's philosophy? How does he want his team to play? I think after, if you're not seeing anything after sort of 12 weeks at the absolute maximum, I think you've got a problem. 
within five minutes of the United game, you saw how 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 Ralph Raniak wants the side to play. That first half an hour, I thought, was like watching a completely different side. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was very impressive. You know, they kept the ball. I think wasn't it something like seventy or seventy four percent possession, um, and that's against the Crystal Palace team who. Maybe last season that would have been expected under Hodgson, but you know this season it's a different Palace side who are a bit more expansive and like to keep the ball themselves. So it was impressive. I mean, in terms of what you're saying about systems and understanding, so many of Manchester United's players have, if not under recent Manchester United regime, under different managers of clubs, have played in a similar style. Like they've all, so many of them have had you know top end educations, as as we like to say. You know, so it probably shouldn't be. A surprise that you know if he asks them to keep the ball to press in a certain way to to cover certain areas of the pitch that they they should inherently understand what to do. But it seems like the the fact is they seems like they all bought in very quickly, which probably speaks to you know the idea that I think the players are probably as excited about this change as anyone else, and I think that will carry them a long way. Um, I know that no one spoke ill of Solskjaer, but you could see the growing frustration that. They didn't feel like they were really in games or really knew what to do. And you assume that someone like, you know, Rangnick, who he carries himself incredibly well at that first press release, you know, uh, sorry, press conference, immediately like, okay, this guy's, this guy is actually at the will. He's not just drunk asleep at the will. Um, so I, I think that. What are you trying to say? Well, I'm saying nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's not surprising, you know, these are elite players and, and, they will buy into competency because I think they've probably been craving that for a while. And you look at the top four scenario outside of you know, the three teams who we're going to assume will finish as the top three teams. Like there is a glaring hole between, you know, after, after third, like fourth is entirely up for, up for grabs. You know, if West Ham can, can stay in, in, in the fight with an all power to them, but there's obviously going to be a seeing suspicion that Man United will probably sneak in there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Martin, um, Gareth talks there about a manager coming in and sort of demanding respect immediately. From your playing career, were there any examples of managers who came in maybe mid-season or whatever who immediately made you all as a team sit up that bit straighter and concentrate that bit harder? And and conversely, were there any managers who came in who you immediately lost respect for? That's a good question because I think management style and personality definitely... You would have some managers that had a real disciplinarian way about uh, what they expected from you on a Saturday, but training would be just quite relaxed and quite, you know, a, a very different experience. Um, you know, I, I played when I was at Chesterfield, John Sheridan coming in and just basically telling everyone they were rubbish and then he was going to replace What, what effect them all. did that have? Well, this is the thing. It's just like he went, normally you'll have a manager that's shouting at you from the touchline and he's shouting at the other players, he's shouting at the ref. He was just shouting at us and telling us how rubbish we were during games. And I was like, <laughs> probably going to get rid of these as all, aren't you, John? Um, and, and it turned out that it transpired that way. But it's, it only works for so long. But you'll have other managers that come in. And back to, to your point, I was playing for a Paul Sturrock who was a real disciplinarian. He was like, you have to know your job. There's 22 lads, 11, you know, on the pitch. But the other 11, you just do the same job as those lads when you go on the pitch. And if you don't do that, you won't play. And he would drag lads off after five minutes he drag lads off at halftime if they spoke back. Then, you know, I go from there to talking Leroy Rosinha, just like, oh, he's the most chilled out, sensible, normal, just like having a, a chat with a, you know, it's like when you have a teacher that's just, you know, on you all yeah, the time. Yeah. And you have another guy that gets more out of you because they put their arm around you. Anyway, in terms of management styles, yeah, you have those contrasts. <clears throat> I would say in the Premier League, 
the standards are a little bit different. And also just the way that managers talk to players, you know, you're probably based on how far you can run, how quick you can run, you know, how, how clinical you are in front of goal, you know, your blocks, your headers, you know, those things. Whereas the lower leagues, it's slightly different. But yeah, no, that's a very interesting one. Managers coming in halfway through and then having to knock together a squad. Chris, I remember you telling me about a manager uh, who you played under who he went up to Premier League level and didn't last very long because he would turn up on the training pitch with a uh, fried egg sandwich in his hands <laughs> and maybe not winning, maybe not winning the respect of the uh, pros around him. Well, this is the other thing as well. When you go into a dressing room and you've got egos and personalities, those first trade-offs, I mean, you imagine, you know, you've got players, Pogba, Ronaldo, that, to get their respect. So you have to get the respect in another way. And if it's organisation and if it's like, you know, he can't go in there and tell them what to do. And it's difficult. You look at Michael Carrick dropping Ronaldo. That was, he was making a statement with that. You know, he's, ma- he's making a statement, but then you're judged on that. That's all you're judged on, on your tenure, which is not what you want. So the, uh, Ragnik, I, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'm really interested to see how he gets on. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, especially with the, that set of players. Cause you, you well, just, just quickly players. then, just quickly then, um, from both of you, yes or no, Randick to be a success at United? I think he'll be a short-term success, but I don't think he'll do enough to stay in there um, on a permanent basis. Yeah, I, well, I, I, think he, I think he could do well enough to, to keep it, depending on how the managerial um, playing field opens up for them next summer. But yeah, let's see what he does with this squad. Okay, so they're playing Norwich this weekend. Uh, that's your team, uh, Grits, old Norwich. Um, Look, they are not down yet. We thought we thought it was done two months ago. And actually, you know, they're on the same amount of points as um, 18th and 19th. They could get out of there. And of all the teams down there at the moment, they actually look pretty good. They look, pretty, they look proactive. They look like they're on the front foot a lot of the time. Dean Smith's got them, you know, playing some decent stuff. And even against Spurs, I know they got tonked in the end, but they made some good chances there. That could have been a very different sort of game. Gareth, um, I assume you watched them against Spurs. Do you think Norwich have got any chance here? Or, or, or am I... Am I just sort of pissing oh, the wind? They, they do. They looked... Um, they were well put together. They, Dean Smith worked out how to attack this Spurs team. Um, and very quick. They, they had a chance. They could have been 1-0 up after two minutes. Um, and they did have a few chances in the game. 3-0 was probably ultimately reflective of the, the sizable gap between the qualities of the, of the players of the teams. Um, eventually, you know, after Spurs went 2-0 up, you know, they just won through. But... For 45 minutes, it really was a game. Um, and then Spurs played fairly well, but I do think that, you know, Dean Smith is, is going to be the key. They probably have enough to go and pick up a decent haul of points. And the question is just going to be, can they keep pace with the other teams around them? Can they keep, you know, they have a relatively small squad. And certainly, they really only have two or three players that are fundamental to their success. If they can keep them fit and healthy, then... They have a chance for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I and, and I definitely had that a couple of months ago. So that's that's definitely positive for them. But grits, I, I think Dean Smith has been brought in to get them promoted next year. Realistically, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly that. And you look at that. We always talk about how well run Norwich is as a club. Uh, you know, the ambition of Farker was always like, "Well, let's see how we get on." Even though they spent money, those players didn't 
perform for them or they haven't performed, but they still get an opportunity to. But Dean Smith, you're like, oh, well, another good Norwich decision. Let's get in someone that can get us at the championship. Dean Smith's got other ideas. He's probably like, we'll get a few wins here. And you know what? We, we might be able to shock some people. Um, and if the players that, that haven't performed for them yet start performing then they could catch a lot of people by surprise yeah I think so right uh, we'll end up on this game this is a, a very romantic fixture I think now Liverpool versus Villa Steven Gerrard going back to Anfield um, he's done a great job so far Grits I don't want to talk about it too much because it it's quite close to your heart but he did a superb job north of the border um, you know overturning that Celtic dominance for so long and now he's down here and he looks like he could be a fixture in the Premier League for a long time as a manager, and I don't think we necessarily saw that coming. We we saw it. We've seen it again with with Rooney at, at Derby. It's someone who don't necessarily think he would have been a manager when he was during his playing days, but actually he slipped into it pretty well. But Steven Gerrard, very impressive so far. No one was happier than me to see him leave Rangers, Mark. I can assure you that. Um, so I, I think he has. He's 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 gone and then proved himself. Because you know, doing what he did in Scotland, it takes you know, it takes guts uh, to go up there and it, and and to overturn Celtic. So kudos, a lot of respect for that. Whether I liked it or not, it's another thing. And um, he's inherited a great squad at Villa that was underperforming for Dean Smith. Loads of exciting young players, loads of really good professionals that you know, and a lot of goal scorers. You know, a lot of players that could put the ball in the net. So they've always got a chance. And you know, to be honest, after the Grealish thing, it's all, it's like a bad breakup, isn't it? Dean Smith and Grealish. It was like. You feel for that you 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 understand why they both were in the position they were in, but they had to move on. Or you know, if they kept Dean Smith, it might have worked. But this has been a good decision for Villa, and you know, and you're absolutely right. It could be a fixture for many many years. Can you imagine if he got booed at Anfield? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out they got an effigy of him burning away on the halfway line. Um, Gareth, uh, Gareth, Liverpool, they're the best team in the world at the minute, aren't they? Yes. I mean, if you have the best player in the world and and you're a good team, you have the best, you have a good chance of being that. And you know, Mo Salah is Joel the Matip. best player in the world right now. Joel Matip is is the second oh, sorry, best Mo player Salah. in the world right now. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think sometimes it is that simple. You know, I know football is a team game, but when you have a team as good as Liverpool's and then a player, you know, a star on the top of the tree, as it were, um, they really can just elevate you to that to that position. You know, they cruise through their their Champions League group stage. Their you know. They're at the top of the table, and it's and you can see with Klopp as well. He's got that. He's got the sparkle back in the eyes. You know, he, every, everything's Definitely. a laugh and a joke. He, he isn't. You know, when things aren't going as well, you know, Klopp becomes a very terse and tetchy man, especially in the post-match interviews. We've seen that before, but right now it's just all laughs and smiles. And again, you know, I feel like we spoke about this a lot today. So much of it is just based on that squad being fully fit and back to it you know suddenly they went from being one of the most poverty's teams in the certain back position in the Premier League last year to having not quite an embarrassment of riches but ultimately it's Van Dijk plus one from you know two or three genuinely good options you know Joe Gomez and Matip and um and Canate and Canate, it's yeah it's it, it's remarkable, you know, and suddenly they've got they've got depth at the, the fullback positions. But also, you're looking at you're looking at someone like Thiago coming in last season, and he, he oh. you know got that injury early on. But he's he's starting to cook now, and and we always knew he he's one of the best midfielders in the world. And if you can get him yeah. playing in a system that suits him, and that's starting to happen now, you're just going to get. I mean, no, there's no team in the world that would be weakened by adding Thiago to it. I mean, it's it's a super no, it's I a mean, superb I, side. I know. I mean. Yeah, this has been flagged up for a while now, but 
the African Cup of Nations is going to be a huge test on them. Um, yes. you know, with, with, with both uh, Solara and Mane uh, going away potentially for you know for a number of weeks, but um, I you know January you know it's, it it can be a bit more forgiving because you have two FA Cup weeks in there. Um, that's going to help them a little bit. And you know, yep. of course, they have they have probably the best understudy striker in, in in the Premier League. Well, I mean, they've got two really, haven't they? Because you, Firmino is not even in the pitch at the minute, so you've got Jota, and then of course you've got Origi as well. That there, there is strength and depth throughout that side. Um, I think it. No, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say it might be better than the side two years ago. I'm not actually sure that's true, but it's not far off anyway. So I think if you look at the squad, it might actually be a little better. But but in I terms of where they of are, I mean, yeah, in terms of peaking and you know just collectively at the, the the zenith of their powers, they're they're probably not quite there, but they're close. And they can still win everything with the with the squad as it is. I yeah. mean, there's no reason why they there's no reason why they couldn't win the lot. You know, they, they probably won't, but there's no reason why. Um, all right, look, we're out of time. Um, thank you, Martin Gritton. Thank you, Gareth Dobson. Um, anything to plug, Gareth? Um, not too much. It's Christmas. You should go check out Griff Reese's new uh, new online store. There's copies of his amazing book and records. There are lots of tours going ahead next uh, spring by bands like Snap Dankles. So go have a wonder, go find me on uh, Instagram at Gareth e. Dobson. You can see all the things I work with. I thought you were going to plug Christmas then at the start of that. Um, get get, would have been get a, involved in Christmas. Nice move. Well, it's it's getting really big these days, Christmas. Uh, Grits, anything to yeah. say before we go? Yeah, bloke just walked past me with a can of Stella. It's it's just coming up to 10am and I'm in Catford. Mm. I know what I'm doing for the next two hours. He's just going to the park. I'll go and see if I'm with his friend. <laughs> see you later, lads. <laughs> cheers guys thanks for listening to you guys at home as well we'll see you uh, hopefully same time same place next week on the whistleblowers if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk sports social podcast network